things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. What's up, fam? Chotty here. Welcome to episode 18 of I Cry in Corners. <laughs> we are in season two and we are dissecting, downloading, breaking down uh, the 10 people, the 10 things you need in your corner. So far in season two, we've dropped uh, these seven things that you need in your corner. First things first, the main thing you always need Jesus in your corner. Uh, two is community. Three is love. Uh, Four is covenant people and core values. Yep, that was two of them. Uh, Five was peace. Six was perspective. And then last week we talked about adversity. Yeah, that's right. Last week I talked about adversity because adversity can actually grow you. I think a lot of people look at it like it's a negative thing when really if you look at it through mature eyes, you can see that God is actually using it. See, uh, okay, so I said adversity can grow you and push you forward. I said this last week with the right perspective, you'll slay giants in your life and man, you'll bear some epic kingdom fruit in the process. So adversity is what we talked about last week. But today we're breaking down what I like to call the special sauce you need in your corner that will not only keep you focused on the right things, but uh, if not wielded with wisdom, can totally be catastrophic. So we're going to talk about it in a good sense and what it can do negatively, um, this special sauce that I like to call um, passion. Yep, uh, the special sauce you need in your corner, the number eight must-have that you need in your corner and that you need in life is passion. See, there's a huge difference uh, between being full of passion and led by your passions. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. There's a big difference between being a person who's full of passion and a person who's led by their passions. As a Christ follower, I cannot allow myself to be uh, full of passion instead of full of the Holy Spirit. As a Christ follower, I don't have the luxury of being led by my temporal passions as the passions for the kingdom must prevail. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Passions today, because I feel like a lot of times um, people... Or call themselves passionate, yet they don't have the wisdom to wield it. They don't have the kingdom perspective to understand it. And that's why I call it the special sauce. Because if you add it to your life with maturity and a kingdom mindset, it will bring out the flavors of your life. But if you wield it with your own intentions and direction, um, you'll find yourself with a bland life, a life with no flavor or power, or one that doesn't really produce the things that your life should be producing. Look, I know everyone in their mother uh, will say nowadays that they are super passionate. But if my age, if my experience has taught me anything, or uh, our current political climate has showed me anything, most people aren't passionate. They uh, say they're passionate, but the truth is, passion through a broken temporal non-kingdom filter sometimes looks like um, immaturity, anger, impatience, stubbornness, selfishness. I've been watching a lot of young people talk about their views and, you know, there's a lot of things going out there right now where everyone's really passionate about whether it's uh, politics, whether it's women, women's rights, or whether it's uh, human rights. Uh, I, I can go through a million things. I mean, I just had a conversation today about um, racism and um, and 
with young young people and their feelings behind it and they're so passionate. And so as I began to download what I really wanted to talk to today with you guys, I just really wanted to make sure everyone had their passions set because I have, I'm just a firm believer that God wants us to be passionate, but God wants us to be passionate with the right filter. God wants us to be passionate with wisdom because kingdom passion is different um, than the passions of the world because the reality is, is if, if your passions are not guided by the Holy Spirit, then they'll chase things instead of chasing God. Yeah, kingdom passion has three really distinct things, and I want you to write them down. My hope is to be able to download with you guys how I perceive this, because I really think it's important as creatives, as people, as humanity, as Christians, we have to be people of passion, but we have to be people that can wield passion with um, maturity. I think of Peter in the Bible, and he was so passionate, but he was also so passionate he cut people's ears off. He was also so passionate that he got into arguments with Jesus, and he was so passionate. But what was great about his passion is even though when he fell, he got back up. When he, um, when everybody else abandoned Jesus, he walked behind him, and and even though he. Uh, totally, totally, totally screwed up. And he denied Jesus three times. He totally made a comeback at Pentecost. So passion can screw things up, but passion can also bring things back together. And passion is so important. You need it in your corner. Okay. But I want to define what I believe kingdom passion looks like. And I'm also going to read a story in the Bible that um, taught me a little bit something about passion. And so my hope is that you leave this podcast, these next few minutes that we have together, and you go, okay, I know what my passion should look like, I know what it shouldn't look like, and I know where to position it. So that's my goal today. So hopefully I'll do that. We'll see. Uh, Lord, help me. All right. So the three things, write them down, that your kingdom passion, this is how it should look. If your passion does not look like this, then you might want to think through whether maybe you are angry or impatient or stubborn or selfish or, um, yeah. So if it doesn't have these three things, I need you to really, really gut check yourself and go, okay, um, I might, I might be, uh, pushing this in the wrong direction. Okay. First things first, your passion is a kingdom passion if you're kind. Yes, it is dripping with kindness. If you can have a conversation with someone and you don't agree with them and you're still kind, you're winning. And I'm talking about the kind of kindness that isn't perceived as weakness, but instead it's looked upon as strength. The kind of kindness that says, even if we disagree, I'll still honor you. I'll still love you. I'll still treat you with respect. Because Jesus didn't go around going, hey guys, we don't agree with you and I'm not going to talk to you and I'm just not going to heal you and I'm not going to... No, Jesus, he, he, he totally loved people in such a way. He brought people towards him in such a way because of his kindness, because of who he was. It's a fruit of the spirit, guys. Kindness is something that should be exuding from our lives, through our words, through the way we look at people, see people, uh, embrace people. Everything about who we are and how we love and how we serve and how we lead should be kindness. If you're a passionate person, but you're not kind, you're doing it wrong. The second thing, listening. Yep. Your passion uh, should listen. And I'm talking about the kind of listening that isn't waiting patiently to respond, but instead sits in repose and rest and positions their heart to understand. 
today I had a conversation with somebody and we disagreed like complete opposite spectrums, but I sat there and I listened not so I could have a response, but so that I could truly understand what this person came up with this idea. And look, I didn't agree with them at the end of it, but I still love them. And I'm not trying to convert people. I'm not trying to like change people and make them think like me. Um, it's our differences that make us awesome. But I feel like if you are a passionate person and you can't listen, and I'm talking about really listen, not listening with, I can't wait to have a comeback, or I'm thinking of a story I can give you that would, you know, no, I'm talking about inter- like listening with everything that you are, with your body language, with your eyes, with your heart, everything about it. As you're listening to people, it's, it's like, it's like a listening that's praying as the people are talking to you, even though they don't agree with you, even though you might be opposite ends of the spectrum, passion that listens is passion like Jesus. I think of that, um, oh man, I think of that story of the, of the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible. I can't think it up off the top of my head where it is. I know it's in the gospels and, and she touched his garment and he, he didn't hear her. He didn't even feel her. He felt the power come out of him and it's, it stopped him in the crowd. And he was like, who touched me? Who touched me? And all the disciples were like, seriously, dude, everyone's around you. Everyone's touching you. Like, I want to move God. I want to listen to people in such a way that every part of me moves them. Like they don't even realize it, but it's like, whoa. So, like, think, think about how in tune Jesus must have been with the broken, that they would have just touched him and he didn't, they, he didn't even feel it, but he felt it in his spirit. Like how dope would that be if you encountered broken people and you, they didn't even have to speak and you already knew what the problem was because you were so in tune with the Holy Spirit that you weren't just listening with your ears, but you were listening with your heart. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense in my head. So kindness, you're a kind person if you're passionate and your kingdom passion is kind. Uh, You're listening, you're constantly listening. It's like an awareness that God is speaking and you want to hear him even when broken people are speaking to you, even when people who have different opinions are speaking to you, you're listening, you're praying, you're seeking God on their behalf. And here's another one. Uh, You have a tempered zeal. Yes, tempered, not easily broken, strong, and not deluded by immaturity and circumstance. That's right. Uh, The kind of zeal that causes others to be drawn to the Jesus in you. It's not loud or in need of a sign or a protest, but instead it's a zeal that knows when to speak, when to remain silent, and when to step in and step up. See, your zeal, your uh, excitement, your awesomeness, your um, everything in you that pushes you forward, your excitement about things, it shouldn't be overwhelming to people and make them uncomfortable. It shouldn't. I mean, I know we live in a society where everyone's offended and every, everything has to be really PC. And I, I get that. I get that. But you know what? At the end of the day, you have to live your life in such a way that you're your goal is for people to see Jesus in you, not to see the you in you. And I need you to get this because you need passion. You need to be a person whose heart is so on fire for the kingdom. But passion with maturity, um, because if you don't have the maturity, you'll end up like Peter, just cutting people's ears off. You'll end up denying Christ in moments that it matters the most. So if you have a Bible or you want to know where I'm about to read from, I'm going to jump into Matthew 16. I know this is going to be a weird story to 
to get like a passion thing out of, but it spoke to me. And so I'm just going to share with you something that I felt like God gave me in it. This is a weird podcast, but we'll just, we'll get through it. All right. So Matthew 16 context, uh, Jesus has just fed 4,000 people at the end of chapter 15. So the disciples have seen like this super gangster, like miracle, right? Sadducees and Pharisees have joined forces in uh, chapter 16 and they're asking Jesus for a sign. Uh, because they apparently missed <laughs> chapter 15's feeding of the 4,000 and all the other epic things Jesus has done up to this point. They've missed that he is passionate in kindness, he's passionate in his listening, and he has a tempered zeal, and he's not moved by their crazy. Then we also see that the disciples, who are supposed to be paying attention, are so focused on themselves, they miss out on the lesson at the beginning of chapter 16. They're missing out on what Jesus is doing. They're they're missing his passion for the moment and passion for what he's doing. And just for context purposes, before we jump into the story, both the Sadducees and Pharisees and Jesus' disciples were known for their passion. I just need you to know that. One group for their religious and political zeal, and the other for their zeal to follow Jesus. So yet both on various accounts missed out on Jesus, not only who he was, but what he was doing. See, if you don't have those three things that I just talked about in check, you'll miss not only who Jesus is, but what he's doing. That's right. If you're not listening, you'll miss out who he is and what he's doing. If you're not kind, you'll miss out on who he is and what he's doing. If you are not tempered, if you're not patient, if you're not waiting for God to move instead of you jumping into everything like a crazy, you'll miss out on who Jesus is and what he wants to do in you and through you and for you. Okay. So yet both were filled with passion, passionate, announced, strong and barely controllable emotion. They were both very passionate. The disciples were passionate. The religious people of the day were passionate. Okay? So we're on that. Everyone was passionate. Everyone knew that he was kicking butt and taking names. We jump into Matthew 16 at verse 13. And it says, Jesus, when they went into Caesarea Philippi, Jesus said to his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And the disciples answered, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And Jesus says, and you, who do you say I am? He's talking to Peter. Peter, Mr. Zealous, jumps in and says, you're the anointed one. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, your knowledge is a mark of blessing. For you don't learn this truth from your friends or from your teachers or from sages you've met on the way. You learned it from my father in heaven. Can you imagine being Peter? I mean, that's a pretty dope moment. This is why I've called you Peter. He says, for on this rock, I will build my church. The church will reign triumphant, even in the gates, even at the gates of hell. Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And with Peter's confession that Jesus is the anointed one, the foundation of the church is laid, guys. In the days ahead, the church will storm the gates of hell and nothing will be able to stop them. No darkness, no doubt, no deception. This is like a dope moment in the Bible. Okay, get that. This is, this is awesome. And Jesus then orders his disciples to, you know, keep everything on the low, low, because he wasn't ready to like bring everything out. And then Jesus says, you must not tell anyone that I'm the anointed one because, you know, he has wisdom and he's listening and he knows what's up. And then Jesus begins to tell the disciples about what's going to happen. And this is, this is a hard thing for them to hear. And he tells them he's got to go to Jerusalem. He tells them he's going to meet the chief scribes and everybody. And he says, look, I'm going to suffer at their hands and he, and he's going to be killed. 
but three days later, I'll be raised to new life. He says he would be raised to new life. He would suffer at their hands and he would be killed. But three days later, he'll be raised to new life. And Jesus spoke all these things. Peter, I can't even imagine what this moment looked like. Peter's like, no, no, dude, come here, come here. He looks at him real sad and confused and a little bit prideful. Because, you know, I don't know if you heard about five minutes ago, Jesus just called him like the rock and said whatever could be loosed. This dude says, no, Lord, never. These things that you're saying, they will never happen to you. I, I, I can't. I can't, Peter. I can't. Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. Can you imagine having that awesome moment where Jesus is like, hey, man, you you really know me. You, you really know me. He literally said, your knowledge is a mark of blessing. So here's Peter, full of knowledge, kicking butt and take names. And Jesus just looks at him and goes, get behind me, Satan. This is the very thing he said to the devil during those wilderness temptations. He says, you're a stumbling block before me. You're not even thinking about God's story. You're thinking about some distorted story of fallen, broken people. And to his disciples, he says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself the things you think and want. Didn't I just say that? I'm pretty sure I said that about five minutes ago. Um, You must pick up your cross and follow me. The person who wants to save his life must lose it. And he who loses his life for me will find it. And I love this story so much because it talks like everything about this story. uh, it, It speaks of passion. The disciples were passionate. Peter was passionate. Jesus was passionate. And so I just want to download a couple things that I learned about passion after reading these stories. And I'm just going to share with it the way I see it. So I want you to pray about it. See what the Lord downloads to you from the story. But for me, I noticed a couple really significant game changers about game changers about passion. Okay, so we know that kingdom passion it, kingdom passion is kind. We know that kingdom passion listens. We know that kingdom passion is tempered. So here's Jesus. He's super passionate. He's telling his disciples, look, this is what's going to happen. And the disciples, they kind of miss it. They kind of miss what's happening in this moment, which is crazy to me because they just saw him feed the, the 4,000 and he's done all these amazing things and he's healed people and he sent people out and they've missed it. So these are the things I've learned from these disciples in this story. First things first, passion always speaks up. See, the disciples, they spoke up. He said, who do they say I am? He immediately was like, oh, dude, they say you're Elijah. Oh my God, John the Baptist. What the disciples not Peter, what the other disciples suggested. This is what I'm learning. Ready? Passion always speaks up. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, how do I say this? The disciples, what they suggested wasn't wrong. It just wasn't truth. And sometimes passion, when people are not tempered, when people are not listening, when people are not kind, what happens is what they say is not wrong. It's just not truth. Sometimes passion is fueled by the best of intentions, but it doesn't align to the word of God. And in today's culture, truth is so fluid and everybody's speaking up um, and truth is up for interpretation. Um, But passion directed at truth tends to get ugly, especially if the truth is relative. I heard Lisa Bevere say recently, I love Lisa Bevere. I'm kind of obsessed with her. She says, uh, Jesus loves you too much to leave you ensnared in half-truths. And in the kingdom, truth is not fluid. It's absolute. Yep. I'm going to repeat that joke because I feel like that's for somebody. In the kingdom, truth is not fluid. Okay? It's absolute. And it's absolute because he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
That's why I found that the Holy Spirit will push and prod and make things uncomfortable. And he does this to help mature your passion. He does this for us to discover his truth for our lives. Look, I know you're passionate. I know you want to speak up. But the reality is, is sometimes you need to, right when you're thinking you need to say something, it might not even be completely wrong. You just need to be quiet. Shh, 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 be quiet. So if you're out there and you're super passionate about something and no one's flipping listening, I don't think you should get louder. Get quiet. Get surrendered. Because the reality is, if you're not surrendered, God can't use it. That's right. God uses things that are sacrificed. And that's the things that matter, guys. God is working out his truth in you. And I have found most people who have, I don't know, have a cause or a platform They feel passionate and they lose their fire when no one is listening. So they fuel the fire with sarcasm or online comments and propaganda instead of truth. Look, don't be those people. If God has given you something to speak on, live on, he'll give you the position and the platform in his time, in his covering, and in his seal of approval. Yikes. Okay, so... I may have jumped the gun on this episode and I have so much more I want to talk about, but I've run out of time. (laughs) I have a couple more of these things that I want to talk about, but I'm going to hold off to next week and I'll do a part two. So recap, passion always speaks up, but it doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do, guys. So um, be kind in your passion, be listening in your passion and make sure your zeal is tempered because you want to make sure that the truth you're speaking is absolute and it is kingdom and it is dripping with the maturity of the Holy Spirit and that's what you're giving people. So um, there's so much more to this I want to talk about. Ah, so uh, just come back next week and I'll finish and I'll do a recap. And uh, wow, I've never done this before. I got a little overzealous. Sorry. Okay, well, um, this is awkward. I guess I'll see you next week. Love you, weirdos.